As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey parents, Tim Wright here. I'm with Dr. Michael Gurian, another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And we are glad to have you with us today. We're going to tackle kind of a tough subject today, uh, but it's one that a lot of parents deal with when their kids get to a certain age. And uh, that has to do with porn, particularly internet porn, uh, and how available and accessible it is today, and how do we help our kids manage their way through that. Uh, So it's a really big topic. And uh, I'm appreciative to the the parent who sent this in. This was on our Facebook page. Uh, if you're not a part of our Facebook Wonder Parenting community, you can go to Facebook and just type in Wonder Parenting and join, and I'll let you in as soon as uh, I get the uh, the information on that. Uh, so we'll get to that question here in a moment. Michael, it's good to have you with us today. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. And uh, we've got a couple sponsors, and we always like to start off the show and just give them a shout out because they've been so good to us. The first is Greg Jantz, the center of Place of Hope. They're up in the Seattle area. And uh, Michael and I have been friends with Greg for many, many years, and and, uh, he's a good guy. Uh, He really cares about the, the kinds of things that you as parents care about. His center up in that Seattle area. Uh, does some really, really good work for people who uh, really need some extra time getting themselves back on track. And so if there are issues for you or people you love uh, having to do with eating disorders, perhaps it's depression, it's anxiety, uh, the center can help. But also Greg's books can help. He's written a book on just about every mental health and physical topic you can think of. And they're all really, really well done, well-researched come from a good place. That's the center place of hope. If you go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, there's a link to them. As is true for the Forge School, Michael has been working with them over the course of over a year now. And um, Michael, what's what's happening with the Forge School? Yeah, the Forge School is uh, Benton, Tennessee, out in rural Tennessee, right against a river, beautiful facility, 55 acres, um, adventure therapy as residential treatment for boys for 14 to 17. So a specific age group of boys who need residential treatment. They could be significantly depressed, dealing with anxiety, you know, so uh, dealing with mental health issues. Um, uh, and the staff's really, really good. So if you go to uh, wonderparenting.com, you'll see folks will see a Forge link there and you click and then their whole web page will open up. So as I mentioned, this question came to us um, uh, at the time we're recording. It was posted about two, three days ago. And 
uh, we get a lot of good response on, on this Facebook page. Parents are really engaged with the questions that parents are asking, but this one lit up the board. And I think within about two, three hours, we had over 30 comments to this question, which means it's a hot topic for parents. So this is the original question. I didn't uh, copy out any of the responses. They were all very, very good. Um, but this was the immediate question. And uh, it said, I had a big parenting moment today, wondering if the wonder of parenting could, cons- uh, could assist with guidance on the subject. Today, I found out that my 12-year-old girl has been searching porn. She obviously is curious about her sexuality, having porn, I don't think is a healthy way of doing so. Therefore, I'm wondering if there's any healthy material out there for her to read on or learn from. And we're not going to so much talk about that, but we're going to focus more just on porn and our kids and and sexuality. Um, And so that's what we want to focus on today. And and again, uh, we've talked about this subject a little bit in the past. Um, Michael, you and I talked about when we were growing up, of course, we didn't have the access uh, that kids have readily available today for us. It might be finding a playboy in the garbage or, you know, one of the neighbor boys had a dad who had it and we'd sneak it into a, a place and look at the, well, we'd read the articles, uh, and then maybe look at the pictures, <laughs> the right? letters to the editor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but now it's, it's really different. So you've got kids, 12, 13, 14 years old. They are really trying, they're, they're coming aware now of their own sexuality uh, the other sex, um, their attraction to people. And then you've got pornography out there. And uh, this is a pretty big deal. So when you first saw this, what were some of your initial responses? And then we'll, we'll do a little deep dive into the topic today. Yeah. Initially, yeah. In terms of resources, you know, the Child Mind Institute, the Child Mind Institute, it's run mm. by the director's Harold Kopowitz, MD, and uh, he's, a, he's an acquaintance um, I mean, he and I, I would say friend, friendly acquaintances. We've, we've known each other. I've gone there. I've met with him. He's blurred my books. I've blurred his books. You know, I mean, we, I, I really like him. And I think the Child Mind Institute is, is really an amazing institute. It's out of New York, but it puts out resources. So um, if folks want to check Child Mind Institute on Google and you go through their archive and you're going to find a number of articles, their, their doctors and their people have written about porn and to give people the kind of resources like this person's looking for to help mm-hmm. them get those resources. And then there are there are books like I think it's called Girl Up or Girling Up. Um, it's uh, that title is coming to me. Um, and and it's a good resource. I remember reading it and it's a really good resource to use. So, so there are resources out there. Yep. And I know if folks go to Google, I do remember that at the, either the Atlantic and the New York Times or both in the last couple of years did large stories on this and provided mm. a number of resources. So that's in the resource right. category. Okay. Now the, um, uh, let me say a few basic, a few basic things. We don't want to overreact Mm-hmm. you know, and we don't want to underreact, right? I mean, I think we want to be moderate. So this is a 12-year-old girl. We'll take this case. It's a 12-year-old girl. Um, as this parent says, she's she's 12, you know, and who knows? She could have hit puberty at 9, 10, you know, could have hit early puberty or she could just be hitting puberty. Her brain is changing. Her body is changing. It's really not unnatural for her to try to find out what sex is, what's going on, what it looks like, what to expect. So, and she has access. I'm sure this is a 12 year old with a smartphone. So she has access. And um, so uh, 
we, I definitely would hate to see us in some way shame her or something because we gave her the access, right? We gave her the tool and we gave her the access and she is doing what a 12 year old should do, which is do some high risk things or things that she's, she's got to know at some level. It's like, Oh, I'm sure my parents don't like me looking at porn, but you know, it's kind of a risk thing. It's an adolescent thing to take this risk, to do this exploration. Um, her friends could have told her about it, you know, so it's not, I don't want us to really overreact to this and shame her too much about this. Uh, but we we want to talk to her. We want to talk to her about everything. And one thing um, that I think you and I have talked about on this podcast, you know, you and I have lived overseas. I've lived overseas. D- different cultures handle the human body differently than in the U.S., yeah. you know. And it, it, I think it is really important for pe- for us as parents in the U.S. to realize that we may be much more puritanical than we need to be. And I'm not saying this family, we don't have the information on this family, but often with clients, you know, they are sort of, they confuse nudity or the body and sex, you know, mm-hmm. and as if anything having to do with uh, one is, is the other and then react against that. I would just much rather we had a kind of biological scientific approach to this with our kids and go, go look at whatever is the porn that she looked at. Okay. Let's look at it with her. Let's analyze it with her. You know, um, what is she seeing about the body? What is she seeing about sex? There's, I'm sure, going to be an absence of real love in it. We can talk to her about that because my my guess is she's 12. So what the family, the message the family wants to give her is you don't have sex, right? Unless you love someone. And, you know, um, and in some pa- families that would mean unless you're married. So whatever is their values message, they can bring it to it, to the porn, Um but use the porn rather than being puritanical and avoiding it. Um, use it, you know, and use it like a citizen scientist and ha- help have the child ask questions. And and then we as parents have to, you know, we have to have no embarrassment, right? We have to say, okay, if she's 12 and she's exploring her sexuality and she's old enough to look at porn and analyze porn, then she is old enough to have an adult conversation with us about what sex is. And even if something comes up about our sex life as parents, you know, we'll we'll tell her what we do or don't want to tell her. But we have to we have to be honest with her. And um, and part of looking at the porn with her, uh, I, I really would like her to show us all the porn she has seen thus far, because I would like to help her understand what is, you know, normal, quote unquote, what is not what is a fetish, you know, what is abnormal sex. So she doesn't think that that's really what sex is, uh, because she could have been looking at porn that is really, you know, far out. She could have been looking at violent porn. Um, Mm -hmm. So we need to know what that was and go through it with her. And then I'm sure that the rule, you know, I'm sure that this family said to her, you know, you're not supposed to look at porn. I'm, I'm sure that's part of their value system. So so there might have to be a consequence here. Uh, if the family didn't tell her that, then there probably won't be a consequence because she really has done nothing wrong in terms of the way the family is run. Um, and if there has to be a consequence, there has to be a consequence. I, 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 you know, 12 years old is on the cusp for me of whether she should even have the ability to get on the internet unsupervised. Uh, mm-hmm. I know most are now, but at least maybe we take away the smartphone for a month. We do something um, to help her to stay away from that. And I guess the last thing that pops into my head, I know there's more is, um, uh, especially for a 12-year-old, uh, we should have access to everything she's looking at, all of her browsing history. I know we've said this before, her browsing mm-hmm. history. Uh, we should be pairing her phone. You know, uh, We should know where she's looking 
what she's looking at on her phone. We won't abuse that trust. And we might not even tell her we have that access um, uh, until we have to tell her we do. Mm. But just because this is not outside the range of normal right now for 12-year-olds to get this kind of access and to look at porn, it is much more common than parents think, I I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Now, I, I want to, I first of all, uh, say again how important that first point is, that we don't want to shame our kids when they have their first exposures to pornography. Because we don't want to say to them, yes, the human body is dirty, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I remember um, this was years ago. There was some sort of presidential thing going on and somebody covered up a statue behind the speaker because it was uh, the person was naked. And, um, you know, everybody made sort of a big deal of that, and how goofy that was. Right. It was <laughs> it was art. Uh, so I want, I, I want us to remember that <clears throat> this isn't about shame. This is about a teaching moment learning, but I do want to sort of go back and look a bit more wide picture at pornography itself. Ah, mm-hmm. And, um, now I, it, it seems to me, so, so we're going to come to the expert that this porn addiction, uh, is it safe to say, fair to say that this is more of an issue for men than it is for women? And if oh, that's yep. true, what is it going on? What is it that goes on in the brain with pornography? Let's start with guys. What's going on for guys with pornography and how do they view it? And then we'll talk about girls, women, and how they view pornography, because I'm guessing the brain works a bit differently for them. Yeah. The reason that, well, porn addiction, okay, so a porn addiction we think is around 7% um, of people have a some were fit in there, maybe in a porn addict, uh, adults have, have a porn addiction. That's actually kind of high. Um, so that's a lot. That would be a lot of adults. Most of them are going to be men if mm-hmm. that figure is correct. But however many there are, when you have, when you have everyone being able to access porn, right, you're going to have these addictions. Most of them are going to be men. And the, there are a number of reasons. Uh, one reason is the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal access in males, right? So all human beings, in fact, mammals have a have a 
hypothalamic, that's the hypothalamus in the brain, then pituitary right below, and then an axis. And then it goes down to the gonads um, for males, obviously testicles for females, ovaries. And it's a, it's a, it's a loop, right? It's a, it's a cycle. It's a hormonal cycle and a neurochemical cycle. So that hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis in males is more connected to the visual cortex. So there's, there are more pathways and connections to the visual. And the visual is the male's strongest sense. Um, uh, Females, as I think we've said in previous podcasts, girls, women, females take in more through their senses than males Mm -hmm. do in the aggregate on average. um, That's all the senses. But the sense that males are uh, are best at, you know, is the visual. And we're talking in the aggregate. Some males who are chefs have great gustatory and olfactory, right? Better than a lot of women. But but we're talking about on average. So so it makes sense that males are going to be trying to find a lot of porn and they're going to look at a lot of porn. And now that porn is accessible, we're going to get a lot of porn addictions. They're mainly going to be males because males are looking visual. They're trying to find visual. And males use the visual quite often to self-stimulate, you know, for, we've talked about masturbation among teens, uh, very normal and not normal when the the male is having to have the visual stimulant porn Mm -hmm. in order for him to even masturbate, you know, then we know we're in the porn addiction category. Um, So one big reason is our connectivity to the visual. And then a second big reason is always going to have to do with testosterone and the neurochemistry around that, right? We're going, males are going to tend to be trying to get more sexual stimulation, especially puberty and onward, because testosterone is flooding. We have 10 to 20 times more testosterone in our in our systems, in our bloodstreams, in our brains than females do. Testosterone is a sex and aggression chemical. So the sex part will be operative. Um, uh, so I'd say those are you know two primary reasons why we won't see a world in which suddenly more women you know, mm-hmm. become porn addicts and seek out more porn. This 12-year-old girl, a girl, a woman, you know, absolutely, they have access, they check it out. Um, uh, but they don't need as much of the visual cortex stimulation as males do uh, for sex and romance. And so they're not going to tend to do it as much. So for guys, um, when we're looking, uh, say, at a naked female body or naked body, and we get sexually stimulated from the site. Um, does that feed the dopamine then as well? Sort of a feel good yep. thing where, so, so it becomes, uh, we may not become addicted in this, in the clinical sense, but we can certainly be for lack of a better word, hooked on it and maybe consuming too much of it, uh, because it, it makes us feel good. Oh, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. If a 15 year old, like, let's say we have a 15 year old boy and he's looking at porn every day. Um, I'm, you know, he may not be technically addicted, but, um, you know, yeah, that's, that's too much, but his, we have to titrate him off of that because, um, yeah, he's getting the dopamine hits from the porn and he's gonna, uh, because it does create, it does hit the reward centers of the brain Mm -hmm. and, um, and and part of why it does that is it's going to get him aroused, right? That increases his dopamine. And so he gets in a cycle that's too connected to the visual. We don't want his cycle connected that much to the visual uh, and especially this false visual landscape um, uh, that's hyper stimulating mm-hmm. because 
you know, he will be part of the reason that women try to look beautiful, that girls and women try to look beautiful. Part of the reason is evolutionary. And it's mm-hmm. because of, of the fact that, and no one, I mean, the woman doesn't know this when she's doing it, but because of the fact that um, at some unconscious level, we all know that males are visual and they're stimulated sexually via the optic nerve and via the visual and females want, right. Want to mate and reproduce, right. This is evolutionary biology. We want to mate and reproduce. And over a period of a million years, females have learned, well, let me look really good. And then I'm going to get the best male, Mm -hmm. right. I'm going to get the alpha male. I'm going to get, I'm going to get the most attractive or successful male. uh, Right. And, and so we, what happens is females become sex objects and males become success objects. And for females, they're looking beautiful. This is evolutionary, not right now, but evolutionary. They're looking beautiful and trying to look beautiful as a sex object in order to um, acquire, mate with the success object. They don't actually, females don't tend to care as much what a guy looks like. What they tend to care more about from an evolutionary standpoint is his success level and how he is going to be able to take care of them and their family. Okay, so that's basic evolutionary biology. Does not mean it's operative in every case with every person, but right. it's basic evolutionary biology, and that's how our systems got set up, right? And that's how these sex systems in the brain and the body got set up. And so, um, uh, so it, it, males are going to be looking to see who is beautiful, mm-hmm. and they are going to be looking. And we, what we mean is who's attractive to them right? Because beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Who's attractive to them? But there are certain schema, right, that we use for who is beautiful. Like in porn, you tend to see more women with larger breasts, you know, at least medium size to larger. Um, uh, And it becomes more fetishistic porn if they're very flat, right? Because it's sort of average that you see in porn, just like you often see males with large organs, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a... The, the porn is messing with evolutionary biology. It's pulling right. extremes in evolutionary biology. And so, so it's natural for the eye to go and the whole axis, gonadal axis, to go toward the, that visual. But the false visuals uh, can harm in all yes. sorts of ways. So uh, this may be putting it crudely. Guys tend to consume pornography for the visual stimulation. And the arousal, yeah. Right, the arousal, yes. Why do women consume pornography? Are there some different reasons why they do that? Oh, yeah. Well, women can certainly get aroused by porn, especially if it sort of fits their fantasy that they're looking for, uh, which is, you know, a lot of this is genetically wired in. And then uh, you can have trauma in your life that helps set uh, the fetishes you like and, you know, all of these things. And by the time you're an adult, you've you've got certain things you like. most of which are within the range of normal, right. For a human being based on their experiences. And so people will go, Oh, I, you know, I like that. I'm going to look for that because that arouses me and gives me pleasure. Dopamine, as you said. Uh, so women absolutely get that. A lot of women look at porn independent of men. Uh, so yes, absolutely. And, uh, women also look at porn quite often with men. So mm-hmm. they're there. It's part of the mating dance with the man. And we we are saying, man, we're saying a heterosexual couple. We could have we could be a lesbian couple. However, they could sure. be looking at it with each other. Um, so a second reason is 
through that mating process, you know, they're, they're doing it with, with the other, so they can get their own pleasure and, or it can bring pleasure mm -hmm. with the other. And then a third reason is just curiosity, you know, looking at what the other people look like. And this is where I would not like the 12 year old to look at a lot of porn because, because it, it, you can have a negative relationship for females as they look at the porn and then go, Oh, well, I'm not that. Yeah. You know, and we don't we definitely don't want that with 12 year old. If you're a 30 year old, you know, they can they can self message and say, OK, wait, not everyone's like that. I'm not like that. I'm OK. Mm -hmm. But a 12 year old could develop some expectations that we don't we don't want. Mm -hmm. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So um, I heard, I've heard this a few times, that um, certain kinds of romance novels that tend to be read by women more than men are a form of porn in the way that pictures are for men in that, you know, guys see the visual, they're stimulated by it. What, what is the fantasy? The fantasy is the romance novel that it takes romance, which tends to be more the language of females, generally speaking, and it makes it sort of unreal, right? Just like mm -hmm. pornography does. Is, is there, is there something fair about that description? Um, I Let's see. I think it's fair for discussion. I would say that um, that there's a there is a big difference in that we don't tend to see we don't tend to see you know maybe six percent or whatever the figure really ends up being of females who are addicted, right? right. Who are addicted to Fifty Shades of Grey or who are addicted to Linda Howard, um, mm. who's a romance writer. Um, uh, so. I think that the visual porn on the internet is more dangerous mm -hmm. uh, if overused. I think it's more dangerous 
than the romance porn or soft porn, you know, um, or erotica. I'm going to call it romance porn for this conversation. That would be like the Fifty Shades of Grey, which I think you and I have joked about this on this podcast. I think we did a previous podcast on porn. And I was telling people my experience with reading the first Fifty Shades of Grey. And I, in the end, I, I could did not finish it. I got about two thirds of the way through and I just realized, wow, it's this is not written for me. <laughs> you know, it's got to be written for women. I mean, it's not really written for me because and the primary reason is that this guy has sex. I don't know, every 10 minutes and 20 times a day. And yeah. any man reading that is going to go, okay, that is just not realistic. But um, but it was very arousing. And I can see why it was arousing for women. And I remember one time I was reading it on an airplane going somewhere to somewhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting on this airplane. This is one of the most arousing books I've ever read. So they can be powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. that that romance porn is powerful and it and it can create some expectations of what a man should be that yeah. that are not realistic. But um, I, my wife, Gail, and her mom, Peggy, who passed away a couple of years ago, they are huge romance readers, Peggy especially. So I would say, Peggy, give me the books you're reading. I want to read them and understand why you like these books. And so I would read a bunch of these and uh, I skimmed through a lot, but I would read it and go, okay, I get it because what what women are getting from that is an oxytocin burst. There's mm-hmm, a bonding mm-hmm. burst that comes from reading this book. Um, the the males are good guys. You know, the males are, they have good character. There's always adversity. They do something wrong, but they have good character. They're having to live up to expectations. Like the, the, the woman has expectations of this guy. And mm-hmm. in the end, he finally meets those expectations, you know, and they mate. And, uh, so I don't think romance porn should be put, uh, or romance erotica should be put in the same place that that internet visual porn is. I think the internet visual porn is more dangerous for human, for human love. Right. And either way, if it's taking us away from real human relationships, then it's not healthy for us. Yeah. And that's ultimately what we don't want with the 12 year old, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we want to say to her, you know, you're going to have a healthy relationship. It's not going to be this, right. um, or it's going to be this piece of that because we're not looking at what the porn, the porn is not 100% dark, right? There are, there are lessons that we can show by going back to the porn she looked at and saying, okay, okay, well that part, that might be realistic, but this part isn't, mm-hmm. um, at, and then, over, but that overall, we want to say to her, your body does is not necessarily going to grow into that. And so yeah. don't have that expectation. Um, uh, and then for the adults or the teens or adults who are using porn, yeah, that's where we really have to go. Hey, you know, a lot of those women in porn, I mean, it's kind of a moral issue in some ways, some of the porn where we have to be saying to our young guys, you know, some of them are trafficked. Some mm-hmm. uh, right, or you at least should think of them in that context. That these are these are people. Some of them, this is their living, and and and, and it's their right to make a living this way, right? As long as they don't harm children, okay, it's their living. But for others, we we have to say this is this is dangerous stuff. They're involved in a dangerous world, mm-hmm. you know. And to try to give these messages, even if that's not absolutely accurate all the time, to give these messages to the these young guys, so that they can see what's really going on in that world. It's, it's, it, it, it can be a, a way that someone makes a living, but it also can be a very dangerous, scuzzy world. Sure. And that's okay to, to tell our kids, I think. 
Right, right. So to get back now to kind of our kids, let's let's take a twelve year old boy, a twelve year old girl. Okay. They've discovered pornography. Uh, what's helpful for us to parents, for us as parents, to know, uh, to, to sort of reiterate some of what you said. This is curiosity, and it's natural curiosity. It's normal curiosity uh, at that age to begin to wonder about these things, and we shouldn't shame our kids. But at the same time, a pornography is probably not the best way to talk about the birds and the bees with our kids, and and we can use this as a teaching tool. But we also want to begin to create some boundaries so that our kids don't get themselves into trouble uh, when it comes to pornography. Uh, mm-hmm. So expand on some of that for us. Well, yeah. And then you're when you talk about in trouble, then we're starting to, we got to really make sure they understand the difference between porn, which is on the internet visual and involves mm-hmm. someone else, right? Yep. Those two actors or whatever, and their own body and their mm-hmm. own friends, because they are you know, we're into the sexting realm here. They are, they are seeing that kids are seeing that and then wanting to send nudes of themselves, et cetera. Um, and accept nudes of others and, mm, and mm. not realizing that's illegal, right. That, that they and the other person can get in serious trouble jail time. I, I think in a way, the worst thing is they become, you know, sex offenders at a certain point, And then that dogs them the rest of their lives. And what they were really doing was sending a nude picture of themselves, you know, right. and, and whether that's unfair or whatever, that's the law. So, so they, um, uh, we need to separate that visual world from our kids' visual world, and say you never do this, you know, because mm-hmm. they may see that, and and that may stimulate them even further to sext or to send these images. Uh, so we have to make very clear to them uh, uh, that this is going on, and if we do have access. You know, if we check once a week what's going on with their browser history, with their phones, et cetera, uh, and we find that stuff, then, you know, that we got to go cold turkey. Like, they just can't have any of these devices. Get a lawyer. You know, we got to got to work that through because that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. So so uh, uh, to summarize this, because it's I think it's so helpful for parents, um, I'm going to put Michael Gurian in the driver's seat. You are now a parent. One of your 12-year-old daughters comes to you, and mm-hmm. you find out she's been looking at porn. What are the four or five things you're going to do to walk your daughter through that over the next few weeks? Uh, or three I'm, or four? Yeah, okay. I'm going to ask her. Um, I'm going to ask her to take me to what she was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to look at it with her, and then. Uh, I'm going to answer, I'm going to ask her to ask me questions. You know, I'm, I'm going to make By sure the way, she... just, just that alone to have your dad sit next to you, looking at your, the porn you've been looking at, that would cure a kid, I think for a couple months. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't mind being the dad who does it. Like people may say, yep. well, wait a minute, shouldn't it be the mom? And okay. I mean, mm-hmm. if it could be sure, but in my case, you know, I'm, I, I'm a very assertive parent and I'm also a very science-based parent, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm going to approach it with my daughter since they were raised by me. They know I'm always very, you know, to that. I'm going to approach it scientifically. I'm going to say, okay, you and I are going to analyze this and um, let's analyze what you wanted. Uh, So now the rest of it's going to be question and answer. It's going to be conversation um, around all of that. And then, and then, you know, we're going to look at consequence if necessary. Um, And, and if it's necessary, if it, it may well be, you know, if I have access to browser history and paired phones and all that, I, it may be that when my child is sort of scared straight at 12, you know, of this, doesn't want to ever talk to me about this again, you know, they might, they might go, okay, I'm done with that. 
mm-hmm. but I may, and so I may not have to give a consequence, but certainly if they're doing it again, and we've said, you're not allowed to do this anymore, there'll be a consequence. But between asking to go to look at the porn with her and the consequence is going to be four or five things that are going to happen in Q and a, and they're going to be, you know, what is the kind of body image you're seeing off this? Mm-hmm. What is the sex you're seeing off this? Mm-hmm. How do you think sex really works? You know, mm-hmm. when do you think sex really happens? Does it really happen when someone walks in a door and you just met them? And, you know, that's going to be one of the biggest messages I would give a 12 year old daughter or son about the buildup to sex and about how sex really fits into the life of a human being. And I can use the porn because the porn is very spontaneous. You know, it, it mm-hmm. almost always happens really fast. Yeah. And I would say, let's talk about that because. If you, when you have sex, do that, a guy delivers pizza to you, right? Let's be iconic. Guy delivers pizza mm-hmm. to you. And then two minutes later, you have sex with him. If you do that, you are going to have a miserable life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, mm-hmm. you are going to have no control over your, no agency over yourself. You're going to, you know, and I don't think you're going to be that person. Mm-hmm. And is that, and that's not the person you want to be, is it? And of course you'll say no. And, and. And by 12, they can understand, hey, wait a minute, you know, you got to know someone for a lot of months or year, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that, that's going to be my approach. And I'm very science-based. And so I think my kids would expect that. Mm-hmm. When my kids were growing up, we had a lot of these conversations about sex, how it fits, et cetera. But uh, in neither case of my two girls, did I find out that they were looking at porn or did it come up? So I, right. I can't answer it absolutely. But, um, but since we had all these other conversations... And they have, as adults, always said they were really thankful that we had those. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that course. Yeah. A couple of questions came to my mind as you were talking about that. It, it would be interesting to know, how do you feel? What visceral responses are you having when you look at this pornography? Um, mm. Because, you know, boys might say, well, actually, it makes me really excited. And so to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also makes me feel dirty. It makes me feel ashamed. Talk about that. So there'd be some really interesting conversations you can have. And I think the point you're trying to make is you don't want to have those conversations consistently about your child watching pornography. You want to try to get at it and and get to some healthy conversations about sex and try to steer them away from uh, that sort of sexual experience. Yeah. Use the one time or two times, whenever you find out they've done it, use that time to have all, to do all this work uh, so that it doesn't get to where they're doing it 10, 20, 30, 40 times. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, Michael. Thank you to the, uh, the, uh, parent who, uh, shared that story with us and all the great insights people had on our Facebook page. Uh, and, uh, again, go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com. And there you will uh, have a place to, uh, ask us questions. If you'd like, you can also ask those on our Facebook page and get a lot of parental support there. Uh, and also you get a, a, a link to all of our resources. So I encourage you to go to wonderparenting.com. If you've enjoyed uh, this podcast and others, please tell your friends about it. And we're going to be back with you again next week. Thank you, Michael. Mm, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.